You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McRae. Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 2 of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast. I'm Dan Klink, here with... This is Mark McRae. I'm so happy to be back for Season 2. We had so much fun with our Season 1 podcast episodes, and I promise you for Season 2, we have a lot more behind-the-scenes stories that involve Saturday morning syndication and live-action programming from the Saturday morning era. Season two, this is like Godfather part two. You know, it's always like, <laughs> you know, who was it? It was Francis Ford Coppola's like, he, he was kind of butthurt when he got the Academy Award for best picture for part two. Because in his mind, it was all one big epic. And he's like, well, it's kind of weird to get best picture for the second part of the same movie. <laughs> we're not acting like that. We're, we're bringing, we're bringing our A game. We're, we're humble, but we're hungry. Twice as hungry. Season two, and we are kicking it off with a part of our Who Owns It series with Batman versus Batman. What the hell is that all about, Mark? Saturday morning was sort of a wild, wild west back in the day. The networks were sort of caught off guard when the New Adventures of Superman premiered and brought in this huge ratings. The networks sort of had to reassess as well as some of the comic book companies regarding rights, what characters they can let the studios use, and what shows the networks were going to buy. And while things were being figured out, it's kind of interesting how rights for certain characters were maybe divided up by separate studios. Um, it's something that probably would never happen today, but back in those early days of Saturday morning, people were figuring out like their jobs and right. what they should do and how they should do it. Like what what to do with your IP. I mean, hell, it took Marvel how many decades to get <laughs> almost all of it back? Right. And I, and I think the fact that you brought up Marvel is a really good example of uh, rights for characters being split up by different studios and not necessarily having all the rights under one studio or... Uh, one network. Right. And so in the early days of Saturday morning, it was very similar. And so in the fall of 1966, Fred Silverman, who was running CBS uh, Saturday morning, was unable to secure the animated rights to Batman. And this is the Batman series that featured Adam West and Burt Ward uh, right. that was running on a, <laughs> on a rival network, right. ABC. And so he worked with Hanna-Barbera and Greenlight's uh, Space Ghost slash Dino Boy series for Saturday morning. Space Ghost! <laughs> and friends. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and so um, supposedly Alex Toth, who designed Space Ghost, was sitting in Fred Silverman's office with... Uh, Joe Barbera and William Hanna, and Fred Silverman had a copy of Life magazine in his office, and he picks up the magazine and says to Alex Toth, as well as Hanna Barbera, the team, that this is what I want. It was a picture of Adam West, Burt Ward, and Yvonne Craig as mm -hmm. Batgirl on the cover. Right. And so Space Ghost was essentially designed and um, 
influenced by that Batman series. We, we, we almost named this episode Batman vs. Space Ghost, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, that didn't happen. But in the fall of 1968, Fred Silverman got his wish. The Batman series was uh, canceled and no longer on the air. And he was able to secure the animated rights to Batman in the 1968-69 season to create the Batman Superman Hour. What's kind of interesting is that I'm really surprised DC Comics just didn't split out the rights, you know, give live action rights to ABC and then give animated rights to whomever wanted it on another network. But, you know, maybe I'm just answered my own question, Dan. I mean, I could see ABC not wanting those rights necessarily for their rival to create an animated version of their hit live-action Batman series. But that does bring up another question. Uh, Knowing how popular it was, so popular that Fred Silverman was going after the animation rights, why didn't ABC develop a Batman series concurrently with the live-action? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think... the, the, The Batman channel, ABC. Right, right. Well, there was a guy named um, Ed Vane that was running ABC Saturday morning, and um, he greenlit the first Spider-Man animated series in 67, along with Fantastic Four. And I think because maybe CBS's Saturday morning had mainly DC programming, maybe Ed Vane didn't want to necessarily try to get any type of DC cartoon that would run on ABC. He might have also thought, well, Fred Silverman has the relationship with DC Comics. You know, if I tried to get a relationship with DC to bring in Batman, it still may not happen. It's a mess. So it just the whole thing sounds like a mess. And and it keeps getting messier. Uh, 72, 73, Batman and Robin make two guest appearances on the new Scooby-Doo movies, fall 72, 73 seasons. And that's Hanna-Barbera. Right. So, yeah, that was an interesting development. Heron Barbera owning the rights to Batman and Robin. Well, first of all, the characters had been off of Saturday morning for a while. Okay. And so I was really happy to see Batman and Robin on TV in animated form, even though it was on the new Scooby-Doo movies. Interestingly enough, the Robin character sort of had a design like the Filmation character, Mm. I don't think it was a studio paying homage to the rival studio. I just think that maybe someone at Hanna-Barbera thought, well, kids don't know one studio from another, so we're just going to make our Robin look similar (laughs) to the earlier version. And so they might think it's a continuation of the same characters. And um, I always thought that was kind of funny and weird at the same time. They even hired the same voice actors to play Batman and Robin who were... um, Olin Soleil and uh, Casey Kasem. Oh, no kidding. Who who reprised their roles in this Batman on the new Scooby-Doo movies. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like Hanna-Barbera was going for some kind of uh, sneaky level of continuity. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, like this was Batman and Robin's big return to Saturday morning. And I guess, you know, since the version that Filmation did was pretty successful i guess hiring different voice actors would have might have been a little jarring for the audience 
Although, you know, as I was saying to you before the podcast, there's always kids aging out and a new generation coming in. But for someone like myself, who was sort of in the middle, I would have noticed and might have had uh, an issue with it. But that's just me. That's just me. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, I was surprised that Hanna-Barbera had the rights. But at the same time, over on ABC... Filmation, who had these rights to Superman and Batman and all the DC heroes, really since 66 and 1967, Superman and Wonder Woman make guest appearances on the Brady Kids during the same season. Wow. Obviously, DC Comics either split the rights. They said, all right, Filmation, you guys can hold on to Superman and Wonder Woman, but uh, Hanna-Barbera is going to get Batman and Robin. Or maybe Filmation was like, okay, we're not going to hold on to the rights for all these DC characters anymore because superheroes are out of vogue right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, go check out some of our earlier episodes. We talk about how and why and all of that. Mm -hmm. So they held on to Superman because guess what? He's Superman. They never animated Wonder Woman. And if you check out our podcast, Wonder Woman 1968, there are reasons for that. But anyway, they show up on the Brady Kids. And the Batman and Robin new Scooby-Doo movie appearances, along with Superman and Wonder Woman on the Brady Kids, generate huge ratings for both networks. So, Dan, what do you think happened next? Uh, Battle of the Batmans. (laughs) DC licenses Batman to two different studios and networks. Yeah. So crazy. So crazy. I talk a little bit about this in my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And uh, it was sort of an interesting phenomenon. Dueling Batmans. Right. And so I did ask Norm Prescott, who worked at Filmation, about this. And the only thing that he would say is that we had a long relationship. And I'm putting long relationship in quotation marks. Sure. with DC. And I guess they didn't care. But look, if I was over at ABC, I would be pissed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's someone's, someone's, you know, it's like your mom packed a lunch, but someone's stealing your juice box. Right. Exactly. What do you mean CBS is doing? What do you mean my rival network is doing a Batman solo show and I have Batman as part of the Super Friends? Uh, yeah. So let's let's uh, put this into context uh, for everybody. The 76, 77 season, the new adventures of Batman shows up as a midseason replacement on CBS. Uh, 77, 78, the all new Super Friends Hour premieres in the fall on ABC. Right. Right. And, you know, I I just had a thought. I think that the Super Friends wasn't on the air at the time. So there was an earlier Super Friends series from 73. Okay. So it it ran from 73 to, I want to say, the end of 1975. Okay. You know, at the end of that season. Right. I, I know that in my book, I talk about the triple play. Uh, so a triple play is when you have three competing Saturday morning shows all in the same time slot that get canceled. They all cancel each other out. Right. And to me, it's a phenomenon that only would happen on Saturday morning. So right. the Super the Super Friends were up against the Star Trek animated series and the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle comedy show. 
You know, we all know that the Hudson Razzle Dazzle comedy show is the one that beat them all out and the one that we love <laughs> and adore today. Is that what happened, Dan? <laughs> in, in an alternate dimension, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think anybody was watching that Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle <laughs> show. Uh, so basically, the toss up would have been first season Super Friends versus second season Star Trek. Right. And, you know, I kind of feel like the Super Friends won that particular time slot of the three shows. Right. Because Star Trek did pretty good in the ratings, but it skewed older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it won the Emmy, right? True. True. And and it did have new episodes for season two. So I'm saying all this to say maybe this is how this new Adventures of Batman was able to slip through the cracks. Right. Right. You know? But I don't want to make us liars. And so, you know what I'm going to do, Dan? I'm going to check. Okay. I'm going to check the uh, 77. While you check on that, I'm going to check 19. on the bathroom. Go ahead. Look, we got to talk. Yeah, Thunder Talk. We're going all kinds of sideways with that sweet nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. It's topical. Political. Dare I say radical. We've got all your latest news and reviews. Hot music. And a whole lot of comedy. But it ain't for kids. Definitely mature content. So let's talk. Let's talk Thunder Talk. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. So do you think CBS knew that Super Friends was coming? And decided to slip that New Adventures of Batman in there as quickly as they could. So they would be the first to market. You know how like a bunch of Steve Jobs movies all came up? Or, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, Asteroids Hitting the Earth movies all happened like in 98 or something. Uh, Right. They wanted to be the first to market, if you will. Almost like uh, GoBots and Transformers. Exactly. I I really believe that that probably was the case because the New Adventures of Batman was like the first time that I had ever seen a mid-season replacement on Saturday morning. It was just something that never happened. And I was kind of shocked, like, where the hell did this? You know, I was happy, but I was like, well, wait, where did this show come from? Right. And I don't think that the network aired all, I think there were 16 episodes in total. And I think they aired like the first eight during, you know, winter, spring. Okay. And rotated those. And then for the fall of 77, 78, premiered the back half of the episodes. So, got it. Um, okay. You know, which is a smart strategy. Sure. Thanks some of the episodes for later. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they had to know. And I, and, you know, you were talking about uh, what show is going to come out first. I mean, it sort of made sense. I mean, do you know how messy this would have been if both these shows would have premiered in the fall of the 1977? Oh, yeah, they were both premiering. Season? That, that would have made the cover of TV Guide, maybe. Right. Batman versus Batman uh, wouldn't have sounded so original, would it have? <laughs> right, right. It, it definitely would not have. So maybe this was a way to get ahead of any rights issues, any contract issues by having Batman premiere first, get it out there first, 
and all parties would be happy. But uh, according to Lou Scheimer's book, he said, well, Hanna-Barbera didn't call them and we didn't call Hanna-Barbera. So, you know, it was obvious that both studios knew what the other studios were doing. Sure. I'm, I'm just curious about the network side of things, you know, that someone at CBS call ABC or vice versa and say, hey, what are you guys trying to pull? And maybe these things happen behind the scenes. And maybe the compromise was, okay, well, we'll premiere our show first, you know, and these kind of things still go on in the television business, you know, like uh, nowadays they call them windows. When you have a network that is also tied to a streaming service, sometimes the streaming service will get the first airing window and then the right. broadcast network gets the second airing window, Right. even an anime show. That's uh, produced in Japan. Obviously, Japan gets the first airing window and then the U.S. gets the second airing window. Sure. I mean, but that's that's cooperation behind the scenes. But perhaps something like this, there was also cooperation. But, yeah, you know, we'll probably never, ever know. I'm thinking CBS twirled their mustache and was like, all right, let's do this thing. Mm -hmm. We already talked to legal. Legal says we're tight. And then ABC was like, what the hell? And before they went public, before they picked up the phone to call CBS, because that would be an admission of something that'd be, a you know, right. coming from a position of weakness, mm-hmm. they probably called their legal team and their legal team was like, oh, yeah, there's nothing we can do about it other than mm-hmm. admit that we look kind of dumb. Right. So let's just right. keep our mouths shut, keep our heads down, go forward and suck it up. But it's it's pretty cool because I think it's the first time that a comic book character ended up in two separate productions on two separate networks right. at the same time. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever been done before or since. Yeah. Batman, of all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Batman, getting back to Space Ghost, uh, the two of them finally team up in the season three, episode nine, titled Bold Beginnings, written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. Yeah. That's 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 something of my childhood fantasies. I had no idea this happened. Yeah, well Paul Dini Paul Dini uh Dini got his start in the animation business. It's probably pronounced Dini. I probably pronounced it wrong. Oh, I, you know, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, so sorry, Paul. <laughs> we love you. Shout out Paul uh, Dini Dini. Dini? Maybe it's Denny. Maybe how did you pronounce it? Uh Dini. Dini? Okay. What do you pronounce it? Dini. And Denny yeah, actually sounds Denny. no. Okay. Well, you know, there's always uh, how to pronounce dot com. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll go with your pronunciation, so we'll both be wrong if we're wrong. Hey, th- uh, that's fine. <laughs> Paul Denny, interestingly enough, got his start working on the New Adventures of Batman, and of course, uh, ended up working on Batman the Animated Series much later. Uh, yeah, and Alan Burnett worked on the Super Friends, the legendary Superpower show in 84, uh, Super Friends, Superpowers Team, Galactic Guardians in 85, and Batman, the animated series that we all super totally love from the right. uh, late 80s onward, as well as other shows in the Bruce Tim universe. Right. So I think it's pretty cool that Alan and Paul teamed up to finally bring Batman together with Space Ghost, who was inspired by Batman. Right. Um, I think that that's pretty epic. Yeah, no, I would like to have seen Batman as a uh, guest on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, that would have been perfect. That would have definitely been great. But uh, <sighs> you know what, Dan? You know why I think it didn't happen? Why Batman never showed up on Space Ghost Coast to Coast? Why is that? 
There might have been rights issues. <laughs> oh, well, hey. <laughs> Did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the big bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. I'm lifelong ensign Charles Kelso. I'm Federation Envoy Keith Johnson. I'm Ferengi Counselor Veronica Dashiell. And I'm Andorian Mess Hall Cook, R. Allen Seiler. And we're the crew of Earth Station Trek. Join us for... Episode reviews. Discussions of themes and characters. And all the news from across the Trekverse. Our logs cover the full gamut of Star Trek. From the groundbreaking original series... To the future of the franchise on Paramount+. Plus, With lots of stops in between. Join our crew aboard Earth Station Trek for your regular podcast escape into the Trekverse. Go bold or go home! We want to get into shows that were pulled off the air due to third-party ownership. A Man Called Flintstone. Yeah, so uh, during my, you know, Boomerang Cartoon Network days, I received an email indicating that uh, we no longer had runs or windows for The Man Called Flintstone. And I was instructed to no longer schedule the movie. And if I had the movie currently on the schedule, I should pull it off immediately. Again, rights issues were so complicated back in the old days of Saturday morning and animation. And the Hanna-Barbera Library, you know, was bought by Ted Turner, you know, many years ago. And then it went back to Warner Brothers. And so I feel like between all this ownership something might have fallen through the cracks. Now, the thing is, they never told me the real reason why, but typically, if we can no longer air a program that we have a contract to air, it has to do with some type of third-party ownership or rights issue. That's typically the answer, but, you know, for legal reasons, (laughs) I was never given the details. Never given the deets on that. Right, right. Kind of interesting, though. The man called Flintstone, Ted Nichols, who was Hanna-Barbera's musical director, who I interview in The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, he told me that he didn't own any of the music that he wrote for any of the Hanna-Barbera series, which was a typical, you know, I guess, work-for-hire contract. Right. Studio composer. Right, exactly. But he did retain some music rights for the man called Flintstones. And he said that he got a check in the mail for like, you know, maybe a couple of dollars. (laughs) Yeah, right. Those fat residuals. (laughs) Right. And he goes, well, I definitely can't retire off of that. And uh, Ted Nichols and I had a laugh over it. But even his story is sort of interesting, too, that You know, he was Hanna-Barbera's composer for 10 years, didn't have any rights to any of the music, but somehow was able to secure some of the music rights for the man called Flintstone. Yeah, that sounds like, uh, well, I think that kind of typifies the mess we're talking about. Well, let's speculate. Mm -hmm. What what about the man called Flintstone do you think might have been the problem? If I am to speculate, I would say there were a lot of songs in the man called Flintstone. And sometimes right. the the music rights are not carried over correctly oh, from, sure, 
sure. one owner to the other. Right. So that's the only thing I can think of. I I have I mean it wasn't like the man called Flintstones was a co-production. You know, right. it was a Hanna-Barbera production. So I'm like third party rights by who? You know? So even that part of it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. You know, so I'm thinking it has to be someone who might have signed a contract with Hanna-Barbera Studios back in the day. And they were like, look, I made some side deal with Joe Barbera and I need to get paid. And if I'm not going go. to get paid, then ain't nobody know, getting paid. Exactly. But I know the issue got resolved because before I left the company, the man called Flintstone, you know, was back in good standing again. Did this, you know, did this show up in movie theaters? Yes. Maybe it was distribution. Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point, too. That's a very good point. So, but uh, anyway, yeah. So, I can't, I'm trying to think of a mic drop. No, I think that might have been a mic drop. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you telling me that I made a good point is the kind of mic drop that I love. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Hello. Have you ever wondered how much Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster sold Superman's rights to DC for? Or which uh, popular football star was Sam Wilson the Falcon's physical appearance based on? You can find all that and more at the History of Comics podcast, a podcast dedicated to the creators, events, history, and the companies that made the great comic book medium. Hosted and created by your friendly neighborhood, J.T. Wheatley. Please give it a listen at iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, and all our podcasting platforms. Thank you, and go ahead and enjoy yourself a good comic book. More positive than a New Day pancake. More fun than a super kick party. It's the wrestling podcast from the host who is the hammer swinging, burrito eating, well you know the rest, of Thunder Talk. Sexy Thor! It's the ring of thunder found in the Thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, premiere episode of season two of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Stick around. We're going to be doing more of this Who Owns It coming up. Uh, you know, we uh, we kind of made a splash at the Miami International Sci-Fi Film Festival with a couple of panels, the sci-fi where you least expect it, and a whole lot of talk about Star Trek the Animated Series. Uh, I'm thinking we're going we're gonna to port those into shows here eventually. And we also plan to have a lot more fun topics going into season two and uh, hopefully some surprises with, you know, maybe one or two special guest stars that might show up on the podcast. And maybe a few controversial subjects. Maybe we're going to dip our toes into uh, a little bit of politics, a little bit of right. uh, a little bit of social social justice or the lack thereof. Correct. Correct. So stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun for season two of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, 
which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.